KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne, your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio produced by the Radio Television Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Corbin Starch. I'm Kathleen Mowry. And before we begin our show tonight, just a couple of things in the way of announcements. Last night, the Ozarts Club presented the fourth annual Recycled Fashion Show. And let me just say, we were out there last night, we watched it, we worked it for television. It was a great event, very well attended, and there were some beautiful designs done by the designers. So congratulations to the three designers who did win. In first place, Deborah Castro. In second place, Sarah Valentine. And in third place, Analia Rodas. You all did wonderfully. We, Everyone here at KUOC thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know the community enjoyed it, so thank you so much. Then also, the Clarksville High School Theater will present The Addams Family, a hilarious new musical based on the characters from the hit TV show. There will be performances on April 10th and 11th at 7 p.m., and then also on April 12th at 2. This will be in the Clark School, the Clarksville High School Fine Arts Center. The price for tickets right now is $8 for adults and $5 for students. For more information, call 479-705-3271. Again, that number is 479-705-3271. Now, tonight on our show... We have special guest, Dr. Greta Marlowe, our Director of Communications here at University of Ozarks. But to take her out of her role tonight, we're going to talk about two of her books she's had published. Dr. Marlowe, thank you for being on with us tonight. Thank you for having me. So I guess before we dive into the books, can you tell us just a bit more about yourself leading up to these books? Give us a bit more background on you. Well, um, I'm originally from this area, I grew up in Hagerville and was a student at the university, ex- except back then it was College of the Ozarks. Um, I was an, a double major in English and communication, and part of that was because I always loved um, stories. My sisters kind of make a joke now of when we were growing up, they used to sit and when we were playing, they would they would sit and listen to me, you know, because I would be acting out stories with the Barbies. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I guess that's just something that has always been, you know, part of who I am is to want to tell stories and ended up putting them in book form instead of just Barbie form. Nice. So... You would definitely say that telling stories is something you've grown up doing, so it was second nature whenever you decide to put pen to paper. Yeah. Um, When I was, let's see, I guess 14 or 15 years old, I wrote a novel (laughs) about 
the Arkansas Razorback basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> How did it end? I don't remember. <laughs> it was it was um, pretty awful, and I recognized that even as a 14 or 15-year-old, <laughs> and so I did not keep it. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, and I used to shut myself in my bedroom, you know, and write. I know teenagers shut themselves in the bedroom all the time, but, um, you know, I was sitting back there with the clipboard and legal pad writing my story about the Razorbacks. So did you think that you might want to be a, a writer, an author? Was that like a dream of yours? Well, originally my plan was to be a journalist. You know, I wanted to be the greatest reporter ever. Um, and that's what I was studying while I was a student here at the university. Um, but I went to apply for an internship at the Southwest Times Record in Fort Smith. And the guy, uh, the editor who was interviewing me, asked a question, you know, about, um, let's see, I think he said, there's a woman whose seven-year-old son has just drowned. Uh, what kinds of questions would you ask her? And um, I was like, I'm just going to leave her alone, you know, let her grieve. Um, And that's when I knew that I probably was not going to make it as a journalist, but I still did want to write, you know, always have wanted to write, always have loved words and been a word nerd as I call it so (laughs) now as a kid did you did you do the little mad gabs they didn't have those when I was a kid Uh. Corbin (laughs) oh (laughs) you can do them today they're still fun (laughs) yeah 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 where you fill in the blank and yeah 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 yeah. we did those when my kids were little okay my mom made me do those as a child, and I say made me because I would have rather played on, like, my little video games. So there's a generational I, I gap. I will say it's interesting to see how, you know, growing up as kids, I know Kathleen me and you would have played video games yeah. or set on our Game Boys or our Bin phones. vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we built log cabins novels. for our Barbie. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, we did. We tried to build a log cabin for the Barbies one time, but it didn't get very far. It'd be interesting to see how that transition from the Barbies to one of your books, A Permanent Home, that we're going to be talking about tonight, I think. Yeah. yeah. But before we go into your books, I think we should take a short break. Then we'll come back and dive into your first book, His Promise True. So, in honor of these very American books, we have for you a very American symphony by an unknown artist. Please enjoy it, and we'll be right back.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC license. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Corbin Sturch. I'm Kathleen Mowry. And with us tonight, we have Dr. Greta Marlowe, our head of the communications department here at University of the Ozarks. So, Dr. Marlowe, b- just before we begin, I want to apologize for that little technical glitch our computer did just then. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> hey, you know how equipment can do things sometimes. Oh, yeah. So, Dr. Marlowe, uh, we've just been talking about your life and how you've always loved writing and how that's been kind of a passion of yours not even kind of, it's been a passion of yours. So what what do you think got the ball rolling on you writing this book, His Promise True? Well, um, when I didn't become a journalist, I shifted over into public relations, and I got a job at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville in their public information office. And one of the jobs that I had there was to go through the newspapers and clip out any stories about the university. Well, that happened to be during the year that um, Arkansas was having their sesquicentennial celebration, uh, the 150th anniversary of the state. And there were lots of stories in the newspaper that year about community histories and family histories. And I just thought, you know, that was so interesting and um, that it would be fun to write a story about, you know, the history of Arkansas. So I sort of came up with a couple of characters, and that's about as far as it went at that time. Um, And... It just kind of sat in the back of my mind, I guess, for 20 years, (laughs) believe it or not. Wow. And Yeah. And um, then one night when I was bringing my kids home from some um, school function that, you know, they had been taking part in, um, I I just had this idea, hey, it might be fun to pick up that story again and write on it. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, very odd how it popped into my mind that night, but um, I did start on it, and um, it just, you know, came quickly and easily. I ended up writing 269,000 words. (laughs) The book's not that long, (laughs) (laughs) because um, the the writing part probably took me, um, I don't know, three years or five years, and then I edited and submitted to agents for another five years. So um, the book that finally ended up being published is only about 92,000 words. I threw away um, probably two-thirds of what I had originally written. Now, did those two-thirds start to become a part of a permanent home? It's sequel. Well, I don't think there is any of the... Anything that I threw away, I don't think is actually in that book, but um, the sequel idea 
was originally part of the first book, but when I got to the point of 269,000 words and I hadn't yet, I mean, they had just gotten to Arkansas, um, that's when I kind of said to myself, you know, this is not going to work. You've got to be more concise. Um, and, and so the sequel, you know, the plan was there, but um, I had to go back and do all the plot and writing and everything uh, brand new after I'd already finished the other one. Okay. So le- let's have you elaborate a little bit on his promise true. I'm going to read the, the bolded quote on the back of the, on the back of the book. He'd come to Charlie's for fun, whiskey, and some dancing. I was sure he hadn't planned to leave with a wife, but he had one now, and like it or not, he was going to keep me. So let's let's elaborate on <laughs> that, that. That's a real catcher. It really is. <laughs> it sounds kind of like a corny romance novel, doesn't it? <laughs> Only when I read it. <laughs> um, and I don't know, maybe in some ways... Um, it is a little bit of a corny romance novel, except it's not a romance novel um, in terms of what we usually think of that genre. Yeah. You know, I did actually submit to a couple of agents who publish, who, who specialize in uh, representing romance novels. And one of them sent me a nice rejection letter that said, you know, sorry, this just doesn't meet the expectations of what a romance novel is so I've I've quit calling it a romance and and now I call it a love story with history mixed in um I I guess my original idea uh back you know 30 years ago with starting with the characters um I've felt like I had to establish who they were and get them together. Um, and I, I guess what it was about the newspaper stories that I was clipping out was that whole idea of the pioneer, you know, uh, leaving everything they were so familiar with, their families, and going somewhere, you know, that they had never seen before, and very likely never going back home and seeing their family again. And so... Um, this book starts out with the couple coming together under some kind of crazy circumstances that you, that blurb uh, <laughs> started out with, um, and then deciding that they wanted to, you know, strike out on their own, establish their own place, and so they decide they're going to go to Texas, which at that time was still part of Mexico. Um, this takes place in the early 1820s, and the Mexicans, you know, were giving away free land uh, to try to, I, I think I've read that they were looking for settlers to help be a buffer against some of the uh, Native American tribes, and so they invited Americans in shortly after it turned out that Mexican, that that Mexico had an immigration problem with the Americans coming in <laughs> and taking over uh, Texas. But uh, this, this story kind of focuses on the pioneer journey, getting from Tennessee, trying to go to Texas, and not quite making it, ending up in Arkansas territory, Arkansas See, territory. One thing I did enjoy about the book was... How, you know, it's a very real story and the fact that 
it evolves with the characters and that you know it starts out well we're just going to be together so i don't have to marry this guy and be poor and they don't really like each other like you said they met in a bar and then all of a sudden like in any good love story they learn hey we've got more in common than we think and we can't actually be together and i like how through this little journey this journey west they they find this all out yeah, that was one of the things that I, I, I'm, I appreciate you saying that because that's one of the things I really hoped would come across. You know that it was they were going on this physical journey from Tennessee to Texas, but it was an emotional journey also. Right, it was an emotional journey of you know that when they both start out, they're not very mature people, and then they face consequences, you know, and situations consequent consequences of the choices they make and situations that force them to grow up and um now the book is titled his promise true i think this is one question a lot of people are going to ask which of his promises is it that he's being held true to (laughs) there's a on the back of the book the last line of the blurb is but which promise Really, though, I mean, we, we <laughs> talked about this before the show. He made a lot of promises. But which promise would you say it is that made that title, his promise true? Well, um, I don't know. That's something for the reader to sort of sort out. You know, I, I mean, seriously, I'm, you think I'm being coy, but I'm not. Because I think any book is really a collaboration between the person who wrote the book and the person who reads the book. And... Um, I I really strongly think that a writer should not lay out everything, you know, with no ambiguity because that takes away some of the pleasure of reading for the the audience, you know. And um, so, I mean, I I don't want to give away the ending in case there is somebody out there that wants to read it. I mean, there is one promise maybe that... uh, seems, you know, most obviously to be the one that he's going to keep. But um, I think there are some others in there. As you said, he makes a lot of promises, you know. and um, So you'd say you feel that some of his other promises are just as powerful as that one that might stand out to others. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, when we come back, maybe we'll find out more from our listeners who may have read the books what promise they feel it is he kept as we start talking about the sequel to this, A Permanent Home. In the meantime, though, to remind us of this Holy Week going to the season of Easter is the song Comest Thou Now, Jesus, From Heaven Above by Johann Sebastian Bach.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me, whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And with us tonight, we've got Dr. Greta Marlowe, our Head of Communications here at University of the Ozarks. Dr. Marlowe, thank you for being on with us tonight. Thank you for having me. Now, to everyone who's been here and been listening in, we've just talked about Dr. Marlowe's first book, His Promise True. And now we're moving on to its sequel, A Permanent Home, which personally touches me a bit more because of what it deals with. But before we go into that, I'd like to just read to our, to our listeners the synopsis on it. John David McKellar dreams of building a home in the mountains of the Arkansas Territory, despite a government treaty giving land to the Cherokees. He tries to get around the treaty by first squatting illegally on the land, and later by going with other white settlers to stake an early claim in the disputed area called Lovely's Purchase. Nothing works, though, and he blames his failures on the Cherokees, especially Elwyn Root, a young warrior who seems intent on stealing even Maggie's affections. Now, one thing we didn't mention in the first book, the girl that John had met up with in the bar and eloped with, her name was Maggie. So this is his wife that he's fallen for. Anyways, and the one thing... John David thought was secure. So he's worried about not only his land, but now this Cherokee stealing his wife. So it's an interesting story. But before I finish reading the rest of that, we'll leave that as a mystery for now. Let's talk a bit more about this book because it is an evolution here. Yeah. Um, the first book is told from uh, Maggie's viewpoint. Um, and as I said, it's kind of a love story with some history mixed in. When I got ready to do the second part of the story, um, I knew I was going to have to shift voice because in talking about um, the land and the uh, treaties with the Cherokee Indians and everything, that would be circumstances that a woman in 1820s Arkansas Territory would not have any access to. Right, you know, because that's a time when women didn't deal in government. They didn't have that right. Right, right. Um, and so the second book is told from the husband's viewpoint, John David, and um, it is more based in the history of Arkansas, it does have, as the last part of that blurb you read, 
does have some um, romance or love story mixed in with it as well, but that is really, that takes more of a backseat to the, the historical fiction aspect uh, of this story. Um, the focus in this book is on trying to find a place. And actually, the title of that novel, A Permanent Home, is comes from the text of the treaty that uh, the government made with the Cherokees. And I, I thought that was kind of ironic, you know, that the government said, hey, we're giving you this permanent home. And then mm-hmm. just a few years later, you know, they're renegotiating that treaty and moving them on out so that someone else can have that as their home. Um, it, it, it was really interesting to me as I was writing this to do, you know, the historical research. Um, it, and I, I probably anybody who has been a student in Arkansas has taken an Arkansas history class, but, and I don't know, you know, how, how people teach it now, but when I took Arkansas history, it was kind of like, you know, okay, Arkansas Territory was formed in 1819, and then the Trail of Tears came through with the Cherokees, and then we had the Civil War. They you know, didn't and talk so, anything about anything in between. Yeah, I mean, there's... They just went right past it. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting history that happened in Arkansas in those 40 years, you know, bet- between becoming a territory and the Civil War. Right. Um, and so, you know, dug into a lot of that to write this book. I remember in talking with you and looking and reading at this book before coming in, we had to do a bit more research on Lovely's territory. So we, because I remember reading the blurb on the back and I thought, Lovely's territory, what is this? You, you don't hear about it. And yeah. you mentioned earlier that it even was a county for a year, Lovely County. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, William Lovely was the first uh, agent, you federal agent, who represented the government in their uh, interactions with the Cherokees. The there were some Cherokees who had voluntarily come over to Arkansas when there started to be some pressure from white settlers in uh, Georgia and Tennessee, and uh, so Lovely was the the agent who represented them. And he negotiated this um, truce, I guess you could say, between the Cherokee and the Osage that gave the Cherokee this little strip of land to use as an outlet to the hunting grounds on the Great Plains, and it was called Lovely's Purchase. Um, That was not part of the land that the U.S. government gave to the Cherokees. It was sort of a... Just an Arkansas thing that people local would have known about. Not necessarily nationally recognized, maybe? Well, maybe. You know, it was it was sort of a, I don't know, a no-man's land, maybe? Like, maybe a demilitarized zone? I, now, I'm always scared when I say anything like that because I'm not a history <laughs> professor. But, you know, that's kind of my conception of what it was. Okay. Um, but that was always kind of a controversial area. And actually... Uh, a number of white settlers started moving in there before anything had been decided. You know, the Cherokees still claimed it as theirs, but white settlers were starting to move in there. And that's uh, part of that happens in this novel 
that that the they do go in illegally and squat on the territory in Lovely's purchase. Um, but then the Arkansas legislature, the territorial legislature, decided to kind of do a preemptive strike, I guess, and created that as a county within the territory. Well, that's and, really going back on that little promise of this is your land. Is that legal? No. Well, <laughs> it's it's the American government. But but that, then that prompted the Cherokees to um, go, take a delegation to Washington, D.C., which eventually led to the treaty that established the western border that Arkansas has now. I think it's kind of, I don't know if this is anything that you ever thought of, but the the first book, His Promise True, is all about John making all these promises to Maggie and maybe not following through with them. And the second book kind of goes into the American government making a bunch of promises and not necessarily <laughs> following them. I hadn't really made that connection, but that... As we've know. been talking about this, I've just been like, man, she, she could have named that an American government's promise true. <laughs> well, let, let's not go there with that one. Just for Well, you know, it is, it is interesting. And um, it, one of the challenges that I faced with this one, I mean, his promise true is based on historical fact and, you know, it, I don't think I've misrepresented anything in there, but it's made up. You know, things that happen in there are all made up. Things that happen in a permanent home and some of the people in a permanent home were actual historical figures. And that is intimidating, you know, to take that and write about it. In writing, am I doing it justice? Am I writing, am I representing it right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a a character in there, um, William, no, Edward Duvall. Sorry, William was his brother. Edward Duvall, who was the Cherokee agent. And I tried to do as much research as I could to get to know who Edward Duvall was, you know. But he's he's still kind of a mystery. And, and I hope that I haven't, you know, misrepresented his character, his personality, uh in the novel. Well, I think that goes into one's own perception. Everyone ha- views someone's personality completely different from another. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there is a way to misrepresent someone in that sense if that's how you take them. Yeah. And honestly, in a lot of historical documents and in a lot of, like a lot of things that you'll find about a person from so long ago is height, hair color. You get some information on family tree, but you're not going to get their entire Facebook feed telling you how they act and stuff. So right. it, it makes it difficult to to portray certain historical figures. This generation, 20 years down the road, is going to have a much easier time researching people. Oh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. yes. You know, all I really have to know anything about Edward Duvall is the correspondence that he wrote as uh, the Cherokee agent to the government. And I did my interpretation, you know, to try to draw what kind of person he was from the things that he wrote. And so, you know, that's the basis of the character in the novel. Um, Now, I would like to make the statement, like I made in the last one, well, in the last segment about the novel His Promise True, 
the prequel to this. It, um, I like, again, how there's that emotional journey. This one, maybe not so much with another person, but like you know, they're both inward emotional journeys and external emotional journeys. Just the same. But I like how in this one I can relate to it more because it's not so much a love story, but it is that it, there's this person he doesn't like, but he learns over time, just like in the last novel, oh, there's more there. Mm-hmm. Maybe the people I, who I liked before weren't the people who were right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the challenges of writing this book was that the main character, who's supposed to be so sympathetic, you know, and that I hope people liked from the first book, does some kind of despicable things, you know. Uh, you think about basically stealing someone else's land. I mean, he, he goes in and illegally squats builds a a home, you know, on land that was not his. And how do you still keep the person a sympathetic character? And well, that's that's real. That's that's what I like about it. It makes him human. Yeah, and and to it's I get frustrated when I watch documentaries or when I read books where it glorifies certain figures because yeah, there were some really great things that have been done, but you need to focus on the fact that they were a person too. And I think that's a very, a very complicated thing to tackle as a, a writer. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is why I like the second book more, that he does become more human. He becomes valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he struggles in this. And I think even at the end of the novel, he's had to come to grips with you know, his own imperfection and his own guilt. Um, and we all kind of have to do that. I mean, we've all done things we regret that we're sorry for and can't necessarily do anything to write it, you know? Now, just two more questions. And the first one being, in writing these novels, is there anything after you published them that just shocked you? <laughs> The thing that I think was most surprising to me was the number of men who have told me that they liked the first novel. When uh, I wrote it, I never thought about that being something that a man would want to read at all. You know, as I said, it's not a romance novel, but it's definitely a love story. And actually, when my husband read it, um, he said, well, it's a chick book, but it's well written, you know, but it's definitely a chick book. <laughs> and and so um I I it has always surprised me to know and I've had, you know, several um older men and that that surprises me even more that it's older men who come up and tell me that they liked it. Um it's probably the historical aspect that that draws them in. Right. Yeah, uh, there's a quote from our town that I can't quote directly, but at one point, one of the main qu- characters from our town says, "Every man has to pick a time in history that he's very adamant about learning about," mm-hmm. and I think that that is a very true thing. And so, I feel like that might appeal. Yeah, maybe so. You know, I, there is some history in this. It's um, not dates and names type history. It's more 
you know, social history of how the pioneers maybe made their journey. That's just been the thing that surprised me most. (laughs) Now, my other question, and I think this is one people will be asking, is can we expect to see the name Greta Marlowe on more books in the future? And if so, where can we get those books from? And also, where can we get these books from? Well, these books are available on Amazon, uh, both as e-books and as um, paperbacks. And, I, you know, if you want to get a copy, you can't wait for Amazon to to mail it to you. I do have a box in the back of my car with (laughs) (laughs) Um, another writer friend of mine advised me to always carry a box with me, you know, because she said, you never know when you're going to run into someone who wants one. Are they autographed? They can be. Ooh. If you want one autographed. Oh, man. That's been another thing that kind of freaked me out was, you know, the first time someone asked me to sign their book. (laughs) I wasn't quite prepared for that. (laughs) But, um, In answer to the first part of your question, yes, of course I'm writing more because that's just, as as Kathleen said earlier, you know, that's a a passion. Uh, I, I love to write. And so there's a character who came in at the end of the second novel, um, and I hadn't planned this at all but as I was writing about it I kind of thought you know she needs a story and so I got to kind of investigating what else happened in Arkansas history that maybe um, she could be involved in and you know I said something about the trail of tears and how we that's one of the things we do learn about we learn about it in connection with the Cherokees but the Cherokees weren't the only uh, tribe that were moved across the state on the Trail of Tears. Actually, the Choctaw were the first ones. And so the third book that I'm working on will have um, one of the characters from the second novel and will also have a little bit about the Choctaw. And, oh my, it is more heartrending than anything that happened with Lovelace County or... I mean, it, it's going to be very emotional to write that part. Well, I'm not going to give anything away, though. Well, to take a short break before we, end sh- before we come to the end of our show completely, I'll give us a short little break with Be Thou My Vision, as performed by the Texas Tech Wind Symphony. Enjoy.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And with us tonight, we have our special guest, our Director of Communications here at University of the Ozarks, Dr. Greta Marlowe. Dr. Marlowe, thank you for sitting with us for the last hour and talking about your books, His Promise True and A Permanent Home. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. It's it, always great to have someone from right here at home on. And also, it <laughs> Corbin's looked into these a little bit more than I had before the show, and I... I definitely want to read these now. Uh, I know that maybe our listeners will too. So to any excited listener out there, here's your lucky opportunity. If you watch our Facebook feed tomorrow, we're going to give the chance to win a autographed set, both His Promise True and A Permanent Home, from Dr. Marlowe. We're going to be giving one set away to one of our lucky listeners. So be watching our Facebook page tomorrow. That's facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. And we'll tell you how you can win it. So be watching for that. Now, if maybe you don't necessarily want a set of books, but you want to know what we're doing in the future, or you want to get back in touch with us and let us know what you think of the show, of course, you can find us on Facebook, like we just said, at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. Also on Twitter at FTCH underscore KUOZ. Or on Instagram at KUOZ concert hall. Or even through email at fromtheconcerthallradio at gmail.com. Now, to end our show and to play our show out on this lovely Holy Week and remind us of this dark day coming tomorrow on this Good Friday and the light to come on Sunday is an absolutely beautiful piece by Bach. Come, sweet death. Thank you and good night. <laughs>